All right, back with another one. Uh, we have our friend Brock on. Uh, Brock has worked with me in the past at a company called Exos. He is a sports performance and sports medicine expert. Uh, he might argue with that statement because experts don't like to be called experts, but he's here to help us talk today about stress. So Brock, tell him a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I've been in the field of training in some capacity for 15 years. So I used to be training athletes. Um, I've been a medical team um, and kind of integrated physical therapy, nutrition, um, doctor advisement for uh, an athlete. So I've done a lot of different things. But I would say that over the last 15 years, the, the reason that most people um, – request my services is on the training side whether that be weight room or whether that be more of like on field or on pitch movement so um i feel like that's probably where i'm better um but anyway uh i was overseas at england's national football center uh, and i gotta partake of the beautiful game over there and train some soccer guys while i was over there um, my company, so was Michael Johnson Performance, and Michael Johnson had a relationship with Arsenal and Manchester United, so I got to do some fun things with them. Um, but anyway, uh, when I was with the company Colexos, I did talk a little bit about recovery and stress, and so uh, this is something that I love, um, and hopefully I can bring a little value to your guys' conversation. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on here, Brock. So I'm interested if you've done some talks on stress, what would you say are some of the key points that people should know about? Yeah, so kind of going into a tiny bit of the history of stress. So Selye's model, the general Adapt adaptation syndrome, kind of talks about how stress manifests itself in the body. And the interesting thing is, is he was... He's Hungarian-born, but he was practicing in Canada. He was an endocrinologist, which means he studied hormones. And what he was looking for, he was studying in math, uh, maths, geez, uh, mice and rats. And he was looking for a very specific response, like when he would zap them or whatever he was doing to try to elicit a stress response. He was trying to see if, like every single time a certain hormone would happen or like if there was a very specific response and what he found is is with stress it was a general response and that general response is is our body shifts into that fight or flight state but we the magnitude depends like it, it's not a universal response like our body goes into a stressed state but it's a lot of times, like if we view something as really stressful, even if it's not super stressful, we're going to have a more severe stress response. So really, to a certain extent, stress is very individual. Like there is certain things that happen within the body, but the magnitude of it depends on the person, which I think is really interesting. And so I think, you know, as we look at stress, looking at ways of trying to a certain amount of stress actually gets us to perform really well too so if we can be there's an uh, optimal arousal thing where like if we can have enough stress that it motivates us but doesn't overwhelm us we can actually accomplish more than if we have no stress so stress is just really unique and it's multifaceted and i think we need to 
we need to have planned recovery um, because we don't grow, we don't get better in a stress state, but stress is necessary for our survival. So that's where I'll, I'll kind of kick off the conversation and then, you know, let you guys sprinkle in anything or hopefully take over. <laughs> it's very interesting. That's why I love this guy is because you just get that that depth of like the history behind it. And, you know, I think it's it is important to focus on the. It is a generalized response, you know, so I always when I talk with clients, there's objective stress, which is the cortisol release due to being placed into a fight or flight response. Then there's subjective stress, which is your more psychological response, which can in fact impact uh, cortisol release as well. And then those two things kind of come together to create what's called our allostatic load, which is the accumulation of chronic stress over life events and psychological response to things. But anything that places you into a fight or flight response is going to affect cortisol release and cause stress or a stressful environment within the body. What I found most interesting was how you were talking about stress basically um, affecting us in different ways. And so... And then you were talking about how stress can also positively impact us, like through training and whatnot. So how does someone separate um, when they're too stressed to be able to counteract that with positive stress? Because surely, uh, as everyone should know, that the body can't separate good and bad stress. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean... If you want to objectively measure it, heart rate variability is a is a great way, like objective tool. So I have something that I slip on my finger every morning, and you know it takes about a week for it to realize what your personal baseline is and your ups and downs, and then it can kind of start creating like what str- what stressed is for you because like, uh, you know, we as human beings are meant to be live most of the time in what's called parasympathetic and parasympathetic is just an an autonomic nervous system we have different nervous systems within the body an autonomic nervous system controls a lot of the um, subcortical or stuff that happens that we can't necessarily control with the brain It, it happens at a kind of an involuntary level and that parasympathetic is where we recover um, it is where we're resting, where, where the body is kind of in this more harmony, but the fight or flight, which is called the sympathetic system, is where we train. Like when we go to the gym, we're sympathetically driven. Um, when we're stressed, we're more sympathetically driven. And so we need that, but we're only meant to dabble sympathetically. We're supposed to live primarily parasympathetically, and we can learn where and that's all mediated by our vagus nerve which is our longest nerve in the body um and we can train that a and b we can measure that through heart rate variability where it tells us where we're at a little bit on the spectrum um you know and uh, watches tend to monitor it so like uh i know whoop does i'm not sure about iWatches because i don't have one of those but i just um you can measure it that way, but then you can also kind of, I mean, being really self-reflective as well. Like, because again, if you go to the gym and you're stressed 
and you don't recover properly, and then you get in a fight with your girlfriend, and then you have a hard day at work. The body doesn't really respect the stress source. That's just a high stress load, as Blair was talking about. The, your allostatic load is high, and so you need adequate recovery in order to offset this really high stress load. And so, you know, if you find yourself shutting down and not tackling problems, or you find that your growth in the gym, like whether that be muscle growth or your weight loss or whatever you're measuring your success tends to stagnate, then you might look at building more recovery into your workout. So I think it's, I think you kind of know when you're subjectively, you're in a good state because you're getting stuff done. Um, you do feel a little pressure with timelines and deadlines, but you're, you're hitting it and you're, you're exceeding. When you find yourself shutting down is when you know that you're kind of in that overload state when you need to plan, you know, whether it be active recovery or passive recovery into your routine. What you what you just said then was how I've always indicated when someone is too stressed, it's whether they're exceeding or they're stagnant or regressing. And so usually I find if people are stagnant or their physical body just isn't progressing, they're they're in a place of just fatigue or extreme fatigue or you know they're just not moving in a progressive direction it's probably through some form or shape of overload on of stress yeah absolutely just doing a little inventory like okay look let's look at my personal life let's work at my let's look at my work life let's look at my gym life like let's kind of dissect my life into different buckets and you know is there a lot of stress because if there is and you're not getting a decent amount of sleep or you're not like so there's active recovery and there's passive recovery active recovery is you know like a foam roller or something that kind of sets the body more parasympathetically like you know or maybe getting a massage where passive is like nutrition and rest and those things that you need to get in and so it's like okay if if i'm in everything that you mentioned like then I need to build in that recovery because our body only gets like, we only get stronger when we're in that recovery mode. We don't get better when we work out. In fact, we technically in the moment get worse. And then as we move, um, into that rest state, then our body adapts to the stress. And then we get the, what that, that in Cellier's model, that's when we get the super compensation. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a really interesting example recently where I spoke to Blair about this, but um, I took on a new uh, personal training client and um, after our assessment, um, the person went away and um, before, before prior to the assessment, they had mentioned they had uh, digestive issues and um, it's not really something that like I'm a specialist in um, but I said I have a contact like Blair and other people so I said if we need further help because it's getting worse or not getting better I can put you in contact anyway the guy came back to his first real session and he was like you never guess what he goes my digestive issues have gone away miraculously and I was like huh okay and so I contacted Blair and I was like what's your thoughts on this and he says, Blair was like, it sounds like it could potentially have been uh, stress-induced digestive issues. And so, and this guy's been living with these issues for a number of years, like number of years. And he actually said the foods that trigger him, he actually, he felt so much better. He went and tested them and 
the foods that really make him worse and he said he felt nothing he actually said he could actually feel the nutrients like being absorbed by his body and <laughs> i just found That's it quite so funny awesome. <laughs> i wouldn't call myself a miracle worker by no means but it just really hit me how that if that was stress related isn't it crazy how you know stress can affect so many people in different ways you know it can stop some people eating it can make some people eat more it can make some people have digestive issues it can make some people like seriously ill in other ways and like it's it's hard to be able to you know go well how do we bring this stress level down and i can't say i know exactly what i did to help him other than make him feel comfortable in a gym environment and he got excited about his future that's the only thing i could suggest i did but it's fascinating how if that stress what it did to him yeah i mean you kind of look at habits that you want to instill and working out is one of them because you mediate between parasympathetic and sympathetic so they that body starts to shift into different states if they're just constantly stressed and they're not doing anything in the outlet like the working out you know is a is a net positive for most people um you know and then sleep is the other just like just glaring one where if you get people sleeping better like all of a sudden that changes the game in fact a lot of times uh, again i'm not a nutrition expert blair's the nutrition expert but when i work with people on nutrition the first thing i actually look at is like sleep to try to get that and then i feel like that somewhat not now this is a sweeping generalization don't come at me blair but i feel like it at least like it tends to fix certain things like that then someone like blair who has a nutrition expertise can can attack so like can we get sleep right can we get um, get them training in our world, and then that that just tends to self correct so much. It's awesome. Yeah, and I really I love that you brought up sleep just because good rule of thumb with stress: if you're not doing something to manage or reduce stress for at least five minutes a day, you're probably overstressed. I had an athlete who was sitting in the Normatex getting his active recovery on, and he was on Instagram getting agitated at shit people were posting and commenting. And so he wasn't actually causing a net reduction in stressful environment. You know, his, his exercise recovery was in a good place, but his mental recovery was not paired up with it. And it's no longer a de-stressful environment because you're getting worked up. It's like if, if movies help you feel relaxed, but you watch like a horror where people are being brutally murdered that is going to trigger a psychological fight or flight response. And why all this matters and how it ties to sleep is the stress hormone cortisol is a very disruptive hormone in high amounts. It, it, it terminates testosterone in the environment. It terminates and breaks down the other side of our sleep-wake cycle, which is melatonin. Our body produces melatonin to sleep and it produces cortisol in the morning to wake us up. It's part of the circadian rhythm. And in that battle, cortisol wins. Because if you don't want the sleep hormone to win out, you don't want a, someone to break into your house and then the melatonin wins out and you just roll back over and, and don't do anything about it. So it's, it's a survival mechanism that cortisol wins that battle. But in our highly psychologically stressful lives, we have cortisol in high amounts throughout the entire day, not tapering off at the end because of how we live in this go, go, go environment. And so we never 
see it start to drop off so that melatonin can do its thing, allowing restful deep sleep to occur. And then we're stuck in a cycle because when your body is tired, it knows two ways to achieve energy, which is food or sleep. So we tend to turn to foods that provide a lot of energy, which are automatically going to be higher in calorie and sugar and, and things that can tack on calories. So a lot of the reason that poor sleep, other than the lack of muscle recovery that occurs during sleep and other than the lack of restoration that occurs during sleep is because we're almost forced into eating higher calorie diets than we normally would if we were getting restful sleep. And so sometimes the question is, how do we break the cycle? You know, if, if stress is causing poor sleep and poor sleep is causing higher stress and, you know, everything in our life is geared towards causing problems. I'm not exercising to get stronger and enjoy my life. I'm exercising to burn calories. That's stressful. I'm not resting to recover and feel better. I'm resting because someone on the internet said I should, but I want to lose weight. So I should be exercising. And now we're fraught with, you know, this, you know, state of disruption on taking a well-deserved rest day because it's not closing my rings on my Apple watch. And, you know, food is stressful because everyone on the internet says, do eat this and don't eat that. And so you can kind of start to see how everything that we do becomes a point of stress, which causes an increase in cortisol, which disrupts our sleep, which, and so a lot of times it's, what are you doing to help bring that down actively or yoga or breathing exercises or taking a supplement like ashwagandha that has been, you know, whatever the, the sick, the cycle breaker is, how are you getting cortisol to come down so that sleep can get to a good place so that all these things can start to fall in the right place and you see the results and the growth that you desire? Yeah, absolutely. Was it Aristotle that says, know thyself? Like, look, recovery for you is different than recovery for me. I might watch a comedy. I might watch something funny on Netflix that makes me laugh, like for a psychological, uh, like, decompression whereas you know you might get an extra couple hours of sleep and adam might have like a nutritious meal that really like helps his body i mean i just try to get like honestly the hardest people to work with are the people that overthink everything gosh it's like you're like my goodness just chill out like like look you're doing yourself more harm from worrying too much about every single thing no one thing there's there's no like silver bullet that's gonna fix it and there's no one thing that like is gonna break it. Like if you have a pizza, it ain't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Like, so you just need to relax and we need to focus on a few strategies, you know, and you need to get out of your own head. Um, because those people are the hardest to deal with are the people that like just analyze everything. You're just like, I get it. I know you wanna solve this and I know you're analytical and you're like trying to like figure this out like a math equation, but this is a lifestyle change. And we just need to have some honest conversations and like you just need to understand that like you'll start to learn, especially with how self-aware you are, like you'll start to learn what works and what doesn't work. But this, we're not going to figure this out overnight and you just need to, you're going to put yourself in a stress state just by the way your brain works. So you need to calm down. <laughs> well, well, that's why mindset coaching is becoming so big these days. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of online mindset coaches these days who literally just 
sit down and alter people's perspective because it, they're finding it's so powerful. People are getting job promotions. They're losing more weight. They're they're eating better just because a lot of why people can't achieve the things they want to is because they just can't mentally find themselves in a place where they can stick it out long enough. And so I think that seems to be where the future of um, like coaching seems to be going. It's, it's all mindset stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just reframing. It's all they're doing for their clients is, is teaching them how to reframe or doing it for them. Um, it's funny, I, Brock, I loved your point. I had a, uh, my major professor in grad school, he was, we were in a, I think it was an endocrinology class, but this one girl went off on a tangent. Milk sucks and nobody should drink milk. It's disgusting and it causes inflammation and blah, blah, blah. And go to this website and just go in. And then eventually when she, once she dies, she's like, how do you feel about milk? Like, what, what's your th- take on milk scientifically? And then he goes, do you like milk? And she's like, no, it sucks. And he goes, oh, then don't drink milk. <laughs> and then he was, hey, Blair, do you like milk? I was like, yeah, milk's cool. He goes, then you can have milk. <laughs> and that was like, but it was like she was expecting this grand scientific, but it was really just like, you know, how do you feel about it? Do or don't, you know, whatever makes you feel better. Move on with you. I mean, what does the science say about it? back and forth you know i can that's the problem with science if we don't know how to decipher it i can find an article saying milk will kill you tomorrow and i can find an article saying that it lowers inflammation chronically but how do you feel about it quit overthinking it if you like it drink it and you know quit trying to put it on a pedestal and then stand on the pulpit and preach about it just you know do what makes you feel your best and and don't don't stress so much yeah i did a girl who had a weird relationship with food and um you know, she's like, oh, you know, you eat this and you eat stuff out of a box and you drink this stuff with blue dye. And I'm like, uh, you know what? Like, I, I can get better on my diet. And I've taken some of what you said on board. And, like, I'm not saying that I have a good diet because, as I've admitted multiple times, I'm probably not the best to preach about diet. But I said, I'll bet you my internal state is better than yours because you're so overcome with stress. I bet you have cortisol coursing through that body of yours. So, like, yes, I can get better. But, like, just know that, like, you need to calm down. Like, food, there's no, there's no one thing that's going to come out and get you. And there might be some things in the blue dye that I shouldn't be taking. I, I'm not well-versed on that. But, again, no, no, one's, no one's dying or getting an all-star diet overnight. So. Well, there's a strong link between stress and um negative thoughts and these people are people who will get ill more often than other people and maybe you can correct me on this Blair but doesn't like high levels of stress can it not like alter your gut microbiome which which can like obviously affect digestion digestion and other problems as well yeah so i and the answer to that question is we're not totally sure gut microbiome is a very buzzy thing right now but we we don't have a defined map of it and how it works we're we're it's one of those areas in nutrition we're constantly learning more about but we do see stress induced digestive issues and disorders occurring and you know i i do have to hop off this recording to get going to my uh, salsa class so my last point is you know just to brock's point that the stressing you know, for lack of a better term, the fretting over some of these things in health, like eating processed goods, might actually be causing a greater cortisol release than eating the thing that you're stressing over. You know, Brock eats out of a box and doesn't care while this other girl 
is freaking out and you know who's got the higher cortisol release due to that thing and it's it's you know is eating one bad meal what's fucking your diet up or is it you beating yourself up for six days and being overly you know cat and nine tails self-flatulation over that one mistake and the increased cortisol from that you know beating yourself up and guilt riddled mental state what's fucking your diet and progress up you know so it's always that you know which which one's worse the one small thing you did wrong or the killing yourself over it yeah agreed so yeah i uh brock give them your socials if you want and uh adam and i will see y'all next time all right yeah um i mean i'm not super active on my social media um my instagram is brock c 24 underscore and generally speaking uh, i follow back everybody that follows me unless you just overly spam your account and then it drives me crazy um but even then most of the time i just mute you um and then my uh twitter is coach brock c so that's all I've got right now. Um, I am planning on unrolling out kind of a personal concierge, uh, high-end performance offering. Um, and maybe if I get invited back on and I did okay on this one, um, I'll share that with you at the time. So thank you guys. Sweet. Thanks for being yeah, on, Brock. Thanks for coming. Yeah, so follow Brock and, and look out for that high-end concierge service. And <laughs> we um, – I think we might have to do stress part two with Brock. I think this is a good talk. Just got cut a little short. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. So. All right. Cool. All right. Guys. Catch y'all later. Bye. A healthy debate runs purely on fat and is completely free of banned substances. This episode was edited by Blair Solberger. So if it sucks, blame him. The next episode will be out in a week, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at a healthy debate or on YouTube at youtube.com slash at a healthy debate.